Hello and welcome to another awesome episode of Last Thing Podcast. I'm your host and also resident vigilante pugilist, Mr. Toffee. And joining me is my good old co-host. <laughs> I am the ex-cop Axel Stone. I don't play by the rules. Ah! <laughs> and your favorite hobby is video games, right? If I recall. According to the title, title the classic Japanese video game, which came out way back in 1991. Yes, it's going to be one of those throwback episodes where we talk about stuff from the past when we were kids. <laughs> yes. Like there isn't enough content about this video game series at all, huh? Yeah, exactly, well, exactly. So adding to the pile, here we are, the Last King Podcast. We're going to be talking about Streets of Rage, the retrospective, which is every single game up till the recently released part four, which we played on our live stream for all you fans of us on Facebook. I hope you enjoyed that. And um, wow, it's like this is really a blast from the past because I think we should explain to people what the big deal about this game is and why we got so excited about it, I guess. And before we get to that, we got to just go back, like go to the way, way back machine and good old, I guess, 89 or 90 when Sega was trying to compete to deal with ports of their really popular arcade games like Eastward and that one other game, the one of the ninja, Shinobi. Like, if they that want to actually make- other game, sir, yes, Shinobi. Yes, <laughs> yes. He's a well, linchpin thing- for the industry. Yes, yes. Just the thing. Um, because they had to think, of, think big and think different from what Nintendo was doing, they had to make their art style, they had to make their production values better on the Mega Drive, on their 16-bit console, like, bigger than ever. Which is why when they had to make... Um, the very first game in the like the Trinity, like mature with some little hints of pop culture references here and there. And of course, having a soundtrack that reflected the time, i.e. hiring a guy who's known for doing a lot of synthesizing and DJ work and whatnot, and who's willing to go the extra mile to do his research. And I would say this, right? Uh, Streets of Rage was definitely uh, trying to ape certain things that was of the era. And yep. I think what it was trying to ape the most was uh, the super successful uh, game from Capcom, Final Fight which was available in the arcades, which it was an arcade smash shit, right? I think Final Fight was definitely trouncing Double Dragon in terms of numbers and quarters drawn, right? Uh, yeah, because of the production values, definitely. And then and the when Cap- sprites, like, you know, the, the more fun gameplay, I guess. And then there was actually rumblings that Super Nintendo, the Nintendo were going to port this over for their Super Nintendo console, if I recall. They did port it over. Yep. Final Fight did arrive on the Super Famicom, SNES to all of you out there in the West. Uh... Only one problem though. Only, only one guy could two play characters. It. Yeah, <laughs> only one guy. Yes. Uh, it was solo, single player only. Uh, back in the day, that was definitely the death knell. Especially when a lot of like Famicom games came with two controllers. Yep. You know, as opposed to the Sega, which only came with one. You had to buy the second controller. Hmm. And at around that time, there were actually a number of two-player games. I guess there was a uh, Contra Three. Uh, what else? Do you remember anything else that was like multiplayer at the time? Well, yeah, you can say Contra Three. I don't know. I think, I mean, but that's besides the point. I guess it wasn't intentional for it to be single player only. I think they were working within the limitations of what was available on the hardware as compared yes. to what was available in the arcade because the arcade was a dedicated machine that was designed to play one game, whereas something like the Super Nintendo had to make leeways and like uh, convenience for multiple for, titles. Yeah, for it to like manage multiple titles, and I think they were pretty much patting themselves on the back thinking like okay we did a good enough job at least we put Final Fight on a home console yeah. and it did push numbers because if it wasn't for the fact that Final Fight was such a huge success for the Famicom right I mean Sega wouldn't even have noticed or they wouldn't even have like pricked their eyes open and said like okay we need to do a Final Fight now what do we have we have Golden Axe make that into a Final Fight <laughs> <laughs> yeah and with that the 90s tropes the 
soundtrack and uh, basically the vigilantism thing going on is actually part of the gameplay and you get Streets of Rage now with three characters Blaze Adam and Axel yes yeah I mean the vigilantism I guess like it was definitely prevalent especially in that era like the late 80s and 90s about the the, the cops going rogue because you had movies like Lethal Weapon at the box office mm-hmm. and the many clones of it there are yes. and I would say um I think the true reference to maybe Streets of Rage. Streets of Rage was definitely heavily inspired by games like Final Fight. It was trying to definitely mimic what Final Fight was doing. And through my research, I discovered that Final Fight was actually uh, a product of designers who were very much in love with Walter Hill movies. So we're talking Streets of Fire and The Warriors. Yes, Streets of Fire. Yes, I remember. You know what I mean? Yeah. Especially when it came to the neon light aesthetic of something like Streets of Fire or the multiple mm-hmm. colorful like gang costumes that was available in The Warriors. And I think like when Streets of Rage 1, Bare Knuckle came out, right? I was in primary school, right? And like two very important things happened to me around that time. Like I was 12, I was very impressionable and you had Streets of Rage and you had The Warriors on TV. And it was like... <laughs> Like this is one of my favorite movies ever, and then like there's a game that's just like the Warriors with baseball bats and everything. I'm yes. in, <laughs> mom. I need this game now. <laughs> <laughs> and it was like it was a two-player game, and it, like I don't know it, about you, but for me, right, one of the the buying decisions that was necessary when it came to convincing mom about buying a video game for your platform was basically, can your little brother also play? We can't buy single-player games. We only have to buy two-player games. Thank God. Yes. <laughs> Suit of yes. Rage was a two-player game, thankfully. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Brother, you can be Adam, sure. <laughs> yeah. And I would say, like, when that came out, and it's very early in the Genesis lifespan, right? And I think, like, it's the same thing that happens to a lot of game consoles where, uh, okay, we have a console. Do we have games? Do we have reasons to buy this? And, like, we can point to Shinobi, we can point to Sonic the Hedgehog, but then, like, I think Bare Knuckle Streets of Rage was, like, yep, Sega's going to be a smash hit. It's definitely going to push numbers because we have these three games that can definitely carry the platform until like all the sequels and all the other stuff comes much later. And the eventual overabundance of furry mascot games that would take <laughs> yes. over. Yeah, after 1991's Sonic debut, um, I think for Streets of Rage, it was just riding onto the hype of beat-em-ups around that time too. But unlike all those other arcade ports for games on other consoles, Street of Rage was tailor-made for the Mega Drive with its limitations, its processor, its potential. It's quite, it's, te- it's quite a technical... It, I would yeah. say it's a very t- technical marvel, especially the soundtrack. Yeah. yeah, you cannot mention the series at all without mentioning the input of uh, one Mr. Yuzo Koshiro and the music he managed to pump out of that little machine back yes. in the day. And it's like, if you were to compare video games back then, right, especially when it came to soundtracks, right? Okay, Sonic had an amazing soundtrack when it first came out. Because, okay, yep, yep. to this day, Starlight Zone, one of my favorite songs of all time. Uh, but definitely, once you heard the opening crawl of uh, Bare Knuckle Streets of Rage Part 1, you know, and just like how atmospheric it was. And then it had that very in sync with the pop culture 90s, like, throwback beat, right? And it's like... yeah. And like even the way the game felt in its opening sequence was something special because you can talk as much as you want about like the fighting and the character design and the level design and uh, a few of the misappropriations of uh, you know certain IP when it came to the boss design. Mm. Mm-hmm. But it was definitely an experience, I would say, because it's like, I mean, I don't know if you can still remember, like remember the first time you loaded up like Streets of Rage and you thought to yourself is like, okay, this is going to be something special. 
Yeah, when you see the neon skyline and then the slow crawl text and then when the beat drops for that Streets of Rage intro theme, it's like, this is very new to me. What is this? Yeah. Why yes. is it playing music that's, that you can hear on the radio? You know yeah, I mean? why is it? Why does it sound like Tektronic or something that... Why does it sound cooler, like Tektronic? You know? Yeah. Because it is Tektronic. Yeah, exactly, yes. But it sounds cooler when you're... When it's actually playing, when you're beating up like Chinese dudes or whip ladies or Chinese many, dudes. many clones. <laughs> uh, Kung Fu dudes. They call Kung Fu dudes, I guess. Yeah. Oh, or no, those, many, many clones of Galcia. Wait, wait, you mean those, those asshole pajama guys who just kept kicking you in the face and like, they, they jump, they jump super, they, ju- they jump a lot and then they do the flying kicks and shit. And then, uh, no, I the remember the thing about them yeah, is like when the three of them line up in a row. Yes, yeah, like a conga line. You. <laughs> yeah, like a conga line of Kung and Fu. You it's crazy, man. That, like, okay, that, that's cheap. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But they need to actually make it challenging because they have to work in a model where you only have credits. You don't put in coins in the Mega Drive, right? So you have to give them a set amount of credits. You get to give them some life. So they make the first stage slightly easier and then it gets the difficulty gets piled on within like the fourth stage when they got pitfalls and then the fifth stage when you have those many jugglers and many whip ladies popping up. I wouldn't call that the challenge. I think the challenge is just basically, you know, you have to walk through the entire game. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I can't wait till we go to Street Rage 2 or 3 when you can start running at least. Uh, yeah. Yeah, I mean, it definitely was a game that was, you know, it worked within its limitations. I wouldn't say it was limited. I think it was very much aware of what it was capable of doing. Yeah. And I would say like, you know, even though the sprites seem really tiny, especially in today's standards, and like I also still kind of appreciate the fact like okay why are the bosses twice as big as you it just makes no <laughs> logical sense but yeah yeah I um, think that's more like a video game logic thing rather than making it yeah. realistic but yeah. also to your point about like you know when you're saying like why does it have like lives and continues I think it was basically when it came to the home consoles of the 16-bit generation right people were still kind of transitioning from like playing something at the arcade to playing something at home and it kind of also makes sense, like especially I think for our younger listeners and viewers, right? They'll be thinking like, well, "What's the point of lives? You know, why don't you just go somewhere and like health regen, or why don't you just save and then play later?" And it's like, yeah, but that was a gameplay mechanic because it allowed it, that gave the player limitations. You hit, you needed to work within your life bar. There yeah, was consequences yeah. to the actions you took, you know, and then we would take away things and punish you accordingly. And if you die, you use up all your credits and continues. Yeah, you have to start all the way at the beginning. That was a thing back then. Yeah, so. but also you have to remember, like if you were to press continue, you start exactly where you dropped off, you know? Yeah. Which is, I think, yes, it is of its time, which is why I'm a little bit disappointed later when we talk about Streets of Rage 4. It's like, why didn't they include this stuff? This isn't the two-player Streets of Rage I remember. <laughs> <laughs> but still, you know what? Uh, let's go on straight into the one thing everybody keeps talking about when it comes to the same the game series. And that's the works of a one Mr. Yuzo Koshiro. Yes. A god amongst uh, game music developers. I would say it, it wasn't necessarily that Yuzo Koshiro brought it upon himself to take the genre of video game music to the next level. It felt more like this was a guy who really likes club music and he was just trying to figure out, how do I put this into a cartridge? Yeah, how you to know? make it approachable, how to make it related to the game that's I'm going to put this on. He did this with Revenge of Shinobi and he did it exponentially well and more apparent in the Streets of Rage series. Yeah, and I also I want to give a shout out to like his future works. Like the work, the music he did on Actraiser is actually yeah. pretty impressive. It is, it so, is. Yeah, so, so Yuzo Koshiro, this kid who did some pretty good, who did a pretty good job in Revenge of Shinobi. I would still say, right, over the Streets of Rage music, right? Like, the best song still is Terrible Beat from the first Revenge of Shinobi. 
in terms. I did like, like Chinatown the as well. Yeah, Chinatown has a very beautiful, very melancholic uh, middle section. Yeah, and if only we could play the samples with that copy- copyright. Yeah, strip. yeah. <laughs> no, but besides the fact that you know he was definitely somebody who was attuned to the dance music scene of that era, I think he also has a very what's what made his music so immortal is the fact that he had also a sense of what the player needed to feel. Like it didn't really feel like he was laying out some sort of music bed or some sort of background to something that was visually happening. It really felt like okay, when the boss comes, you need to be reminded that the boss is coming. Yeah, you yeah. Know? So it needs something really loud, like a very thunderous roar coming in in the or that synth and everything. An amazing bass drop when you think of attack the bar what, attack of the barbarian, yeah. which is attack the, boss the barbarian. Music for part yep. One. Yeah, yeah. Like you know that opening, that bass boom. <laughs> it's like okay, yes. okay, shit's gonna go down. Immediately, yeah. it heightens the drama. It also heightens the stakes a bit because yeah. I would say that I think he is um, a musician who is very much interested in not only I would say adding texture to the video game, but more so like he needed to directly affect the player because I mean uh, it's an unpopular opinion, but to me, the first streets are rich. It's just a slightly above average game. But if it wasn't for the music, not it wouldn't have had the popularity I think it has. Yeah, without the look and the aesthetic, I don't think anyone would be clamoring for a sequel. Yeah. I guess so. And I think it's like, it was definitely the music that made it stand apart from being just another Final Fight clone. Yes, yeah. You know, because And like, don't forget, at that time, I think there weren't that many or if any good good uh, two-player beat-em-up games at the time. Remember, Final hey. Fight was one player at a time. Golden X. <laughs> okay, sure. I mean, if we're talking like different consoles or, yeah. If we're talking about other consoles, you know, you had to go to the arcade. I mean, the beat em yeah, up Yeah, you is, had to arcade, yes. Yeah. The beat em up is an arcade genre. And like, yeah, I mean, there was the Ninja Turtles game on like NES along with Double Dragon. I think what made Bare Knuckle Streets of Rich important was that it was around during the infancy of the genre. Like you can point to like games way back, you know, like maybe even River City Ransom is like okay, these are the true pioneers of the beat 'em up genre. But yeah. I mean, it was definitely you had Golden Axe. Golden Axe was you know high fantasy, medieval, very Conan the Barbarian. I think also what we need to kind of point to is the fact that the way Sega positioned themselves in the market, especially towards their demographic, because it's like the Super Famicom and the Nintendo has always been the family computer. Because in Japan, it is family computer, Famicom. Yeah, yeah. And Sega knew that, and they knew they needed to be edgier, they needed to be more teen-driven, they needed to kind of fit a slightly more quote-unquote mature audience. Which is why the game's graphics are like what you see for Bare Knuckle. I mean, not just for Revenge of Shinobi and Eastwide, but also Bare Knuckle. I mean, like, if you want to see graphics, let's just compare box art covers. Like, look at the box art cover for Final Fight, and look at the box art cover for the Japanese uh, Streets of Rage Bare Knuckle. Yeah, I read a buy the Bare Knuckle cover, dude, yeah. Because it's it was basically, yeah, like when you look at the Final Fight one, it's like, okay, look, it's these comic book characters like kicking ass and fighting like, you know, punks and bad guys. And if you look at the Bare Knuckle one, then you see like, you know, freaking Axel just like fists up with his like uh, gauntlets and the dark rings under his eyes. Like yeah. he, that, that, the look of a guy who's like, I've been through a lot tonight. <laughs> yeah, and then all, the collage of all the bad guys at the bottom, you know, all colored and some standing it out. It was definitely but- Whip Lady... Uh, the Chinese guy Kung yeah Fu. the Chinese guy yes 
Yeah, I think that box art, there was just something about it that it felt like you were holding on to one of those classic canon movies. And I think that's what probably convinced a lot of kids to pick it up from the shelves was like... Because people thought it was a mature movie or something mature or something cool they wanted to buy, right? I mean, like for a 13-year-old at that time, it was like, this looks badass. Yes. I, <laughs> I, I, need, I Dude, I, I, would, I, I bought it just this. for... Yeah, yeah. We will buy it just for the box art alone, per se. Yeah, marketing does matter in this in that day and age as well. Yeah, I think you also have to like. I mean, you also have to understand, right? The only other hard, like, badass game I had at that point was like Shadow Dancer, and Shadow Dancer was like my favorite game that and Revenge of Shinobi. Yeah, but, but like, in my collection, was like a league of its own, per se. Like, its yeah. presence, its presentation was what grabbed you. Yeah, I would say that because like, if you also want to compare box arts, like like Revenge of Shinobi or the Super Shinobi here in Asia, right, is like that box art of a ninja just staring at you. And then, like, if you were to put those, like, when you were a kid and you had to arrange your box on the shelf and you had to display the covers for it, you had Sonic the Hedgehog. Oh, it's yes. a cute little blue hedgehog. You had Golden Axe. Oh, high fantasy Dungeons and Dragons stuff. Yeah. Revenge of Shinobi, and it's like this ninja. Like, oh, that looks yeah. badass. And then badass the next ninja. Suit, and then you had Bare Knuckle. And it's like, yeah. What the hell is this? This looks so uh, cool. What what game is this? You know, like, you know, oh, let me show you. And that was the game everybody came to your house to play. Because yeah. if you were the kid who had Streets of Rage, you know, or Bare Knuckle back in the day, it's like, you have Bare Knuckle, can I come play? Sure. <laughs> That's and also was, a good a good excuse for me to like, uh, you know, go like, you know, whenever we have like parties and stuff, it's like, oh, bring the console down and have a two-player session. Everyone is just watching us how play. How old were you That's then? It. This was you like, I 10. think it was like 10 or so. You had parties and kids were coming over. You bring your console over? <laughs> Uh, either way, either way, because we were like in a very big neighborhood per se, so lots of uh, kids have parties. It's different here in Singapore. You come to my house. <laughs> it's like a, I'm, I'm not unplugging this from the TV. You know how hard <laughs> it is to reach all the way to the back of your Sony Bomba just to pull out that one weird AV plug. Yes, <laughs> and it was the thing tough. is, right? And like, unless you bought the switcher, is like you know, and your dad needed to watch the news all of a sudden, you had to pull it out and plug it back in every single time. Yeah, that whole rigmarole. Tough. Oh, Kids. and that was also one thing I missed too. Like, you can just bring the cartridge over if your friend has a Mega Drive. I do miss those moments. If yeah. he has the Mega Drive? Yeah. No, you always have to bring the box too because if you just left the cartridge And the box, there, yes. Yeah, you know, you, you need to make sure because I'm pretty sure... You don't sure want it to collect dust yeah, and stuff Not underneath. just collect dust, but it's like, I'm pretty sure a lot of guys, especially of that era, will remember like, okay, I have the box, where's the game? Who has the game? <laughs> <laughs> that, that, that's a problem that's been around even in the 360 era too, yes. You Where the I mean? hell's a CD? Why is like, there a different game? In the- Why is there a different game in here? Where's my game? <laughs> yeah. Like, no, oh, you, 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 if you borrow the game, you borrow the box. So I, when you return it, you return it as a set, okay? Yes. And there's always that asshole kid who's like, he returns you the game. He's like, where's the box? Oh, the box, I, I couldn't fit into my bag. Like, no, no, fuck yeah. you. <laughs> I'm going to your damage. house. I'm following you back to your place. I'm going to get the box from your house. Yes. Okay? That box is just as precious as the game itself. It's a set. <laughs> yes. Eh, well. And speaking of set, let's move on to the second entry into the game, which came out just a year later. Yeah, very fast turnaround time. Holy crap. Very fast turnaround time. And for what they achieved in only that year, because I was pretty much on the... I'm pretty much thinking like once this game made money, it was like, okay, obviously we had to do a sequel, but we didn't expect one immediately a year after. Yeah. And this was like 1992. So when Streets of Rage 2 dropped, everybody's jaws dropped as well because this game was such a stratospheric jump from the first one. 
And even if you haven't played the first game, you see this playing on the like the video game shop out of the window. It's like basically you're attracting people to come into your your store just to see that game. You know How what? much is it and everything? Yeah. Uh, when Streets of Rage 2 came out. So, I mean, we need to also mention the fact that the team kind of changed because I think it was AM7 who did the first Streets of Rage, which was the Shinobi team led by Noriyoshi Oba. Whereas Streets of Rage 2 was pretty much Yuzo Koshiro, the music director. And this has not happened since, like, I mean, the only other time I can, like, think that when did the music guy take over is, like, when uh, Yoshinori Ono took over Street Fighter, wasn't he just the yes. music guy in part three? Yeah, he was in part three <laughs> and earlier games as well. Like why the is he in charge of part four now? You know, why is the music guy is like before him? <laughs> Yuzo Koshiro was like, I'm in charge of the music. Now I'm gonna make the whole game too. It's like what? You yeah, you. Like, I have a company, and who's gonna design the game? My sister. Yeah. Right. Ancient <laughs> software, I believe that's what it's called. Yeah, he put together ancient software. I mean, but let's not just. I mean, let's be honest. He didn't do all the work himself. His sister helped, but also they did outsource some of the programming. Like some of the heavy work was given out to. I think it was Shout Design Works, uh, M&M Software, Minade, Nakoyoko, Mokeo, yep. which I think is money made uh, happily or something. <laughs> the yep, translation yep. is. I mean, I'm sorry to all my ja- to all our Japanese listeners, you know, but I'm pretty sure it's it's something along the lines of like let's make money together harmoniously or something. <laughs> that's a nice. That's a that's great a nice- title. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Not yeah. good in English, not good with literal translation, but just nice enough, like as an acronym, Eminem. Yeah, yeah. I mean, like you know, I I also definitely say shout outs to Eminem Software because I think what they were also more famous for, for back in the day, was they were definitely a, a team of developers and designers who worked in the games industry, who was just so fed up with that the very the Japanese mentality of working yourselves to death, mm-hmm. that they decided you know what. Let's just go independent. Let's just do things on our own. Let's start working for bigger companies. I would say a, a paradigm shift when it came to game development of that time. I mean, even to this day, it still happens. I mean, we still hear new stories about crunch and shit going on with bigger companies. Yeah. I mean, you can only imagine back in the day with limited technology and like like a lot of these guys had to figure out how the hardware and the software works even before they could start programming as compared to now where basically, here's Unreal 3, here's the assets, just put something together. Yeah, they had to, I think it was like a team of like 10 or 16 people or even less than that coming up with like, how to make this engine for this RPG or this beat em up and so forth mm. and so forth. And definitely, I don't think they repurposed the Golden X engine anymore because like... This is like a brand new engine, dude, right? This was a brand new one. This felt like it was built from the ground up because if you were to compare, and then like Streets of Rage was the counter to Final Fight. And I think like the one thing Final Fight still had over like, you know, Bare Knuckle or Streets of Rage was like, yeah, but our sprites are bigger. Mm -hmm. And like literally ancient software was like, hold my beer. (laughs) Yeah. Like, they make gargantuous detailed sprites. You want Not just sprites? for the heroes, but for the bad guys too. It's okay. crazy. You want big sprites? We got big sprites. You want more animations, more attack moves? We got more animations, more attack yeah. moves. You want diagonal scrolling? You don't want just side scrolling? We got diagonal scrolling. You know yeah. what I mean? You want Street Fighter moves? Yeah, we got them. We just played Street Fighter balls? recently. Yeah. Fireballs make every game better. <laughs> okay, yeah. Let's just be honest about that. Flaming uppercuts make every game better. Oh my God. The first time I... Actually, press A on Axel's attack. I was like, whoa, this came out of nowhere. You saw my yeah. life, but I don't care. It looked damn cool. I want to do it again. Yeah. Yeah. And I think we also need to kind of point to the fact that, yeah, this was around the time of Street Fighter 2. And I think mm-hmm. even the developers themselves, even Yuzo Koshiro and definitely his sister, was like, basically, we were so busy playing Street Fighter 2, we had to kind of make Streets of Rage 2 just like Street Fighter 2. And I think maybe 
it was a lot of like you know finger on the pulse like w- this was definitely the genre that's w- that was gonna just overtake every other genre at that time because when Street Fighter 2 came out it's like yep writing's on the wall like beat-em-ups are in trouble because this is gonna take over the arcades and it did yeah. and I think maybe it was just good foresight on their part but basically I think they also realized the fact that you couldn't just play games with like very monotonous punch 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 maybe a body slam here and there it's like okay we need to add some variety we need to add some more technicality as much as Streets of Rage 2 improved on the battle mechanic ex- the extent of like they had to remove the teamwork stuff from part 1 which I really miss and I wish was in part 4 yeah but I think it was definitely this felt like a company that was much moving with the times Oh, yeah, you know? yeah. Because, like, if you look at Final Fight 2, that felt super dated. If mm-hmm. It definitely just felt like, okay, this is just Final Fight with extra stuff, you know, or stuff that they had to figure out. Also, at the same time, like, Streets of Rage 2, it was one of the first uh, occurrences of using the 16 Mbit drive or something. Because I remember, like, on the box art, it was, like, this huge sticker, like, 16 megabytes or something. Dude, I was just blown away, man. I mean, um... I actually had a little sister who, yeah, she was had? really into the Mega oh. Drive. Have, 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 <laughs> have a little sister. I'm not see, like she's really very impressionable at times. So she always would like to play what I was playing. So it was not just Ca- Castle of Illusion, but also World of Illusion. Streets of Rage Two was also that one go-to game that we both bonded, you know, together as brother and sister. You know what? That is proper Big Brother sh- shit right there. It was basically you don't want to play Mickey Mouse games. <laughs> Let, yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's, pl- let's play. I have, to, I, have to, I have to let you know. World of Illusion was a pretty kick-ass co-op game. So really different levels. Oh, stage. Well, you get to be Donald Duck as well, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Whose butt always gets Look. stuck in the crevasse or whatnot. You have to crevasse. have Mickey Mouse pull her out. Yeah, yeah. Through a pit or through like a little hole. You know what? Shit. As a fan of the Disney 16-bit era, yep, I did enjoy World of Illusion a lot. Yeah, it was good shit. Well, anyway, of Streets of Rage 2, it was not just uh, the co-op element as well, but it was the, the, the different characters. Like, you play Max, he's a big body guy, but he's actually like a better Hagar because he's got different grabs. Like when you jump and do the body slam thing, that was like, oh, that's very new to me. And then when you have when you played skates, you actually got a run mechanic for that. And then you get to do the cannonball move. But the guy can't really mechanic. throw. Yeah, the skate <laughs> mechanic, yes. But you can't actually throw unless you do the whole flip thing and then you press the attack. So it's a little different to control him. But if you want conventional characters, you get to use either Blaze or Axola. So... You got your you got your different attack. You got your different play styles for different characters. I think this is also a decision made by uh, like Ayano because she was definitely in charge of character designs. And then I think I mean aside from the foresight of like looking at games like Street Fighter Two and definitely looking at Final Fight, like we needed our own Hagar. Yeah. And like not only does when he does the the jumping slam should it be more impressive, but the sound effect of that that of the, the oh yeah when he does the backbreaker yeah backbreaker that was wow you know wow a lot of people would look at the streets of rage and think like where happened to Adam and it's like Adam is just basically a slightly better axle or a slightly slower axle like a longer reaching axle but slower he did yeah. a bit more damage but then like he was the least fun to play with because he moved so slow and then the counteract yeah. that is like okay you want slow we give you super slow you want fast you give you super fast yeah so two extremes being there and it did update the roster a little bit and it did provide people a lot more options when it came to mastering the game because like you know as much as people say that skate kind of sucks because he's got the worst reach actually he's more you know technical yes well. yeah, yeah yeah you gotta do the cannonball a lot you gotta just run around know when to move up and down he's super fast so you can get around a lot of enemies just you Dude, just his, if you get hit a couple of times you're dead so 
And his jumping drill is probably the best special in the game. Yes, yes. Corkscrew kick. <laughs> really? All I heard was Wu Kiki. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And then ask any kid, what does he say? Wu Kiki. Wu Kiki. Yeah. <laughs> true that, true that. <laughs> I mean, like, yeah, sure. The Sega Mega Drive. Uh, pumps out great techno tunes. Still couldn't quite voice, get voices right. You know, Actually, shout outs to Yuzo Kishiro and his team for getting the hits just right. Because... I don't think it's ever been replicated again, that sound when you beat up something and do the heavy attacks. Like, I know that whole influence of Street Fighter 2 is very apparent, considering that the sound effects of Street Fighter 2 when you hit something is kind of mimicked in street or Streets of Rage 2. But mm, at the same yeah. time, it just sounds so damn good and very satisfying. I mean, a lot of uh, praise has been given to the music of this game. But whoever did the sound design for all the elements and for all the hits, like, shoutouts to you, sir. Yeah, good stuff, good stuff. And also the death cries. I love the death rattles of all these characters. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Every single time. Yep, uh, yep. man. But yeah, so when this game came out, man, did it blow the doors open for Sega. <laughs> Yes. I would say this this was definitely the must own game of 1992 and I yeah, if you want to showcase else. like the best of an arcade experience on the 16-bit console this is a game you want to show off to your friends yeah definitely and also it's like Street Fighter has not arrived on home consoles yet so like this was definitely the money maker for Sega and I think Shinobi 3 was still years away right like, it was they, 94 I believe or yeah, yeah 94 later. yeah yeah and like this is also back in the day where like I mean like consoles still kind of suffer through the whole five year life like lifespan right. Mm -hmm. So when the Sega came out in eighty nine ninety and then like the first game to come out within so called the the opening year was like Bare Knuckle one. And then you follow it up with a sequel that not only surpasses the first game but is like I think a lot of people will agree is one of the greatest and one of the best beat em ups of all time. Yes. Yeah. You know, and like the thing is, you can think of ten or the ten or twenty other imitators that came after it. Like, there's just something so pristine and magical about Streets of Rage too. It's like simple but also satisfying in that sense. Like, yeah, I mean, like you can't also you can also like think of like you know, how a lot of games try to copy that game style, mm -hmm. because immediately like if you look at Final Fight Three, like what's going on, you know? Oh, Part yeah. Three! I actually did enjoy Part Three, uh, Final Fight Three. It was a no. huge jump from Part Two. To be honest, yeah, exactly because it's like basically like okay, look what the look what the Sega guys are doing. Yeah, exactly. we need to up our game right now because, like, like Final Fight Two kind of ate shit on the home console market. Yeah, yeah, especially Part Two because Part Two is not a pure reskin, but it felt like it's not doing anything new from Part One or even the arcade Final Fight. It's just said, oh, it's just tailor made for the Super Nintendo. You got a girl as a fast character. You got a guy of a sword as like the Carlos the other archetype. Right? Yeah, yeah, yes, yes. But like, that's it. That's all it did. Where's Guy? Where's uh, Cody? Are they playing? They're in Street Fighter now. Yeah, yeah. They're in Street Fighter. They're in the better game. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Yeah. They're making appearances in the in the Street Fighter Zero game, which is about to like you know take over everything. Also, mm -hmm. uh, man. But like, there's just something that I really want to explore when it comes to Streets of Rage too, because like we like at first I would think it would be nostalgia glasses. But I can go back to the game to this day and it still is... There's just something about the flawless level design and the character mobs and also like the, the very... And the pacing and everything. Like when you're yeah. in the bar stage, the music's calm. You see Electra beating her up and then you see the guy in the background. Yeah, you're going to be fighting that guy apparently. So yeah, it's a nice You know what I mean? Yeah. It's, like, it's like one of those games which, which is just timeless. Like this is still good. You know, It, it yeah. hasn't aged at all. Yeah, you like, remember like moments when you're... At the amusement park, and you're the last thing you expect is like a horror house with like HR Geiger like designs, and yet you get that, you know? 
or even like the elevator at the stadium where you don't realize how dangerous it can get when enemies are falling down until those uh, kung fu guys come down. Oh, oh man, it's crazy. <laughs> yeah, you hear the sound. That's that's good design. Like you can hear that music. That sounds like yeah, you gotta watch out, move out, you know, up or down, or you die. I still remember avoiding and ignoring a lot of Sega games back in the day and just going back to that over and over again. It was like the only game I played too as well. Like the only game I played with my friends, my little sisters. Yeah, good like stuff. Once in a while, yeah, you'll pop out like, you know, Sonic the Hedgehog, you know, or maybe even like, uh, like oh sure, a quack shot if you're talking about Disney games. Like, okay, that's kind of cool. It's kind of fun. And once in a while, I'll, I'll stick it like Thunder Force 3. Yeah. The Streets of Rage 2, I remember, was definitely the, the dust protector of my Sega Mega Drive for the longest <laughs> time. Until Street Fighter 2 arrived, much later. Yeah. A couple of actually, years later. Actually, actually, even when Street Fighter 2 came out on the Mega Drive, I was still showcasing uh, Streets of Rage 2 with my friends and everything because, again, the co op element is like, I guess it's a bit more attractive than the competitive element of Street Fighter at the time. I think maybe for me, I think I was also lucky because I got the, uh, the six button controllers from the Mega Drive 2 also quite early. Yeah, I only got the six-button controller like later. I think when Part Three came out. Yeah, so. I needed to get that because Mortal Kombat without six buttons doesn't make sense at all. It's weird. I know. Yeah, it's super weird. Yeah, and then like later when Street Fighter like two came out, like yeah, you needed the six-button controller. Yeah. Uh, but Streets of Rage Two is definitely. I mean, it's very hard to really talk about something that has been talked to death. There's so much about this that already exists out there. I would say this. Um, it definitely was genre-defining because you could see the effort that a lot of beat 'em ups decided to kind of implement after that. And mm-hmm. I would say like even like those tried and true ones like even like say a game that we think is extremely underrated some Goku 3 yeah. that, that, that's that got pure Streets of Rage influence on it because the special moves and the combo system which wasn't the sprites really and everything yeah yeah because like, bef- it's like you can literally draw a line before like Streets of Rage 2 it was like everybody was a double dragon clone then after Streets of Rage 2 everybody needed to be a Streets of Rage 2 clone Yes. And I think like that is the one game that kept the beat em up genre alive and then also all the impersonators and all the clones that would follow. Yeah, it was definitely a moment in history that video game. I mean like okay, I mean we did mention that how like you know, this was definitely a game that was trying to ape Final Fight and they did. They finally created the superior Final Fight, the sequel everybody wanted, which was available in the Sega machine. Mm-hmm. And Final Fight two decided to clap back with Final Fight three, which was alright as compared uh, to Street's But Rich. part three definitely the special moves and everything, they definitely added a lot more strategy and layer. Although it got a bit too easy halfway through, but I still had fun with it. Despite the fact that we know that Streets of Rage 2 did it before. So it's like, obviously, the thing to do was to create a part 3. Yeah, and I'll be honest, even though it has its good points, I don't think Sega or even any of the developers could top part 2 in that regard. And they tried, try as they might. Streets of Rage Mm. 3 was okay lah, it was okay. I mean, it came like, out three years later and it definitely felt like the team was very much interested in pushing their own specific avenues mm-hmm. because it's like, the thing about Streets of Rage 3, I don't think of it as a good game at all. I wouldn't even say it's alright. I think it's pretty lackluster. Mm, and okay, like, okay. like my reasoning is because it did not feel like, firstly, and I think this was what disappointed a lot of people about that game. What? It did not feel like the stratospheric jump from 1 to 2. Okay, it's more quality of life improvements. Like yeah, it was more like the sprites step. were smaller, they were still kind of detailed, and then some game mechanics were actually made for the better, I'll, I'll be frank. Yeah. I mean, yeah, but I don't think it was playtested properly enough, and it felt like a lot of it was padding. Like, one of the things that I will complain about is definitely the cutscenes. 
Ah, yes, fact, yes, like, yes. Like that really interrupted the flow of the game when you had to suddenly just break from the game and then just tell a story with... Oh, and then the talking boxes and everything. You know, yeah. Yeah, and it, it really kind of stifled you a little bit and especially when it presented to you the option to do multiple endings. Now, like multiple endings only existed in the first game and that's only if you do it in a two-player mode. Mm-hmm. Like basically in part one, yes or no, you know it's how you want to kill Mr. X in the end. Okay, either you become the boss or you just become the hero. Yeah, yeah. Whereas in part three, they decided to explore other possibilities, which I mean I agree that it's it's a noble effort, but I also would say it's a noble failure because it was trying to do too many things at the same time and it kind of lost focus of what at, at the core of what it needed to be. Yeah, was it going to be a straight left to right beat em up or do you want to add in like a couple more nuances to make it, um, make, give you an option to, to, for a particular large level especially. Um, they did both. It broke the flow. Especially that one stage where you had to rescue the the police chief. What's that? Right? The committed police chief. That was like you had to go up, down. You had to use something to press the button, open and up the doors. And they put a time limit on top of everything. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I don't mind the challenge, but at the same time, it could have been implemented better. The more I played this game, the first time mm-hmm. I played it, I had no complaints. I thought, hey, this is something new. All right, I got two different endings. Basically, you either fight Shiva at the end, or you fight Robot Mister X with his cool robot suit or whatever. In like X, Mister X in the jar in the brain jar or some shit but yeah no, the, when you play the, more and more final, it just felt longer <laughs> yes yes it felt yeah, like you said padding it just felt like they could have done this better in a way like make it more in line with a beat em up instead of like an RPG or a mm. action adventure kind of title I think also maybe like like if you think of the team behind it because like, this was still like ancient this was still Yuzo and Ayano mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and I think maybe like it's very hard because it's like it's very hard to do research on this game because compared to the other two games, this game doesn't quite it's have not the same kind about of information available. Yeah, and a lot of what we're gonna say is extremely speculative, but I would say this right: it definitely felt like the team wanted to expand beyond the genre mm-hmm. and to play with different elements. Like it really felt to me that everybody did not have a unified vision anymore. It felt more like like Yuzo Koshiro was definitely pretty much interested in like a different kind of music at that point in time. Like I think what I understand is like he had moved on from house and techno and he was listening to more like uh, IDM stuff like Oteka, like FX Twin and then he incorporated that into the music. Oh and yes, it, he did, he did. Yeah, and and the music for part three uh, as groundbreaking as it was and experimental and also like how he used the technology to just randomize like uh, music notes and pitches right it really felt too erratic it felt too abrasive it's a you very know? a quiet taste you will hate it or you will think yeah. okay it's fine it fits with the action pacing of the game when you're fighting yeah. mobs I mean, like, when I played the game the first time it's like the music to me originally felt quite obnoxious Mm-hmm. You know, as composed to like the more smooth, the more uh, I would say driven style of the, the first two games. Yeah, there's even some jazz bits in the second game. This one, part yeah. three, it was like all the way it was high all BPM over the place. stuff. Yeah, yeah, and I think right because it did not really quite match with the mood of the game or the player at that point in time. Because uh, Streets of Rage Two was definitely a nice like that that club thump was yep, definitely yep. very much aligned with your heartbeat, and it definitely pushed you forward. Whereas, like, when you have all these kind of glitch tech kind of, like, noises coming from all over the place, like, this GABA beats, yes. and it, it just, it really felt out of place for some reason. Yeah, And yeah. also, it's like, okay, you want to talk about sprites, you want to talk about character designs, it's like, firstly, uh, Axel's wearing a yellow shirt 
sometimes or he's oh in America in the American version uh, yeah. in the Japanese version it's the same color just you know smaller sprites a little detailed mm. and got some extra moves here and there the dodge roll yeah like and the, the star running. system which was in, in, introduced right yes, where your yes. blizz attacks were a little bit more advanced yep like there's something very focused about maybe something like the grand upper move but then when you like made it turn into like this kind of weird at- attack that just flurried all over the screen oh yeah 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 and then it's like okay this does not actually add to the gameplay and it feels like this game was definitely it lacked a lot of focus it felt like they were all going in totally different directions even with the character design because he's like okay who's this Dr. Zan and why do I need to care about him now and what's with the whole sci-fi element of the game like yeah. it actually had like doppelgangers it had Axel as a robot uh, Mr. X brain in the jar like I mentioned earlier and the robots although the the mecha things you fight in some of the stages it's not too bad but it felt I thought it was like a place I, for me sir like, it felt like it felt, it, it felt like a callback to like the robot bosses in part 2 but this is like huh now they feel more like they came from a different game now, now that I think about it yeah they're more yeah, sleek it, yeah I would say this right like you know I mean robot bosses in part 2 I mean I do recognize that they exist yeah, but like something, there's something about maybe like the fact that when they introduce elements like that, the lore felt kind of weird because like <laughs> if you think about it, like the reason why I love the first game and the second game was yeah. basically this was just like you know these are the unofficial uh, licensed versions of the warriors as a video yes. game. Yeah, yeah. And then we would push it towards the science fiction stuff and then like also the ending where Mr. X is alive but he's a brain in a jar. Yes. And like he is the <laughs> final boss. He enters a mech suit and then you know when you it felt to me like like how Robocop 3 kind of lost the plot. Yes, yes. I think that's a great analogy there. You know what I mean? Like yeah. you see Robocop 1, this is a gritty science fiction futuristic action movie. Then part yeah, like two, a social commentary on Detroit and crime yeah. and stuff. And then part yeah. 3, he flies now and he's got rocket launchers. What? Yeah. <laughs> Do you okay. not understand the, the ethos and pathos of Robocop, sir? Yeah. On the and plus side, you get to play a kangaroo and you get to play a Shiva. On the plus side? <laughs> That's a positive for you, sir? Roo? I don't know. It was kind of cute to play Roo. <laughs> I mean, especially when you figure out how to actually save the dude because I end up beating up both the clown and the re- and the kangaroo on my first oh, try. You, you're not supposed to hurt the... You're not supposed to kill the kangaroo. He can't yeah, run yeah, away. You yeah. have yes, to kill yes. the clown, right? And then yes, you hold yes. B, he's selectable the next one, right? Yep, yep. That's correct. You can also unlock Shiva. Do we need to talk about Ash? Has enough said, been said about Ash? <laughs> uh, we can say a little bit. Like, yeah, it's a, that's a gay flamboyant man you fight at a at the penultimate part of uh, stage one. I didn't one. know he's gay, sir. Maybe that's just that's just how he rocks. <laughs> exactly. Yes, uh, a caricature of the YMCA uh, video. Yes, for the village the video. People. Oh, you mean the biker from like the village people? I guess so, with uh, high heel stilettos and shit. I do not want to go into social commentary about how Asians, uh, the Asian representation of the gay culture is, especially in video <laughs> games. <laughs> There's I mean, too many of that going on, so no, let's not touch that. I mean, it's very hard for me to explain to my friends the, the why hard gay is one of the funniest things <laughs> on the internet. <laughs> it's like, you know, you don't get it, do you? <laughs> like, yeah. He understands what he's doing. Yes. Uh, but like, I would say this, right? I don't think it was intended to offend, but then because America is the land of the easily offended. Yes, that's why he was censored in the American release. Which is kind of strange, you know, like for a land that is pretty much up their own ass about how there's so much more free than the rest of us. and like Yeah, the freedom really, of speech nonsense. Yeah, You, you can't handle a, a, like a, a gay bad guy in a video game? Sure. Yeah. <laughs> or 
allegedly gay. Let's just say allegedly yeah, yeah. gay. Maybe that's just his look. That's how he rocks, you know? I think this was around the time when Sega were taking any chances with like, a flamboyant so. I mean, character. I, yeah, so. Uh, sure, whatever. This game promotes violence. Uh, yeah, so does the news. Oh, and <laughs> speaking of America, I think this is also one of those rare... Okay, I think... Uh, common cases in the 90s where the American version is exceedingly tougher than the Japanese version of the game. Mm-hmm. Streets of Rage 3 was actually, you put it like on a hard or a harder setting, every enemy seems to have their light bar extended and your damage and, and the damage you deal is actually lesser than before compared to the original Bare Knuckle 3 where everything was kind of balanced correctly. Yeah. Because yeah. you see, Here's my theory to that. Once you remove Ash from the game and you have all these extra bits and bytes, might as well maximize those life bars. Yes, <laughs> I guess so, yeah. Which almost we- made the last boss in Street of Raid 3 near unbeatable at the time. La, before I figured out a way to cheese the dude. Yeah. Which which, which last boss? Uh, yeah, the uh, the robot. robot Mr. Uh, Mr. X. X in the jar. Yeah, the, the green robot. Yes. With the time limit, right? Yes, the time limit. Yeah, it was tough. It, it was near impossible in the American version but in the Japanese version is I barely beat him last so it was fine again I don't want to harp on the point that this is too science fiction right but why is there a Metal Gear in the Streets of Rage game yes this weird. really feels out of place yes yes I don't know so like I would say this right this was 1994 and this was definitely Sega I wouldn't say on their last legs they were like trying were, something new la. I mean if they were to do yeah. like a sequel that's exactly like part 2 they would be doing themselves a disingenuous service of sorts so I guess I that's why they agree. did the decision here and there but they really pan also, out the problem with Streets of Rage 3 is the fact that there was nobody there to rein them in. I think yes. they were pretty much riding on their high horses thinking they could do no wrong. Yeah. And the only thing that would challenge them or to like maybe inspire them to do anything with this franchise is to like push the envelope in so many different directions where they kind of felt... If, I mean, to me especially, it felt like they really lost focus on what made the original game so great. Exactly, yes, yeah, yes. Like, I think they were so much focused on like you know being innovative or being progressive that they totally like, okay, you're kind of missing the plot right here. It, it felt like more like a bunch of artists trying to get maybe some sort of catharsis from their work rather than trying to please an audience. Mm-hmm. And like we were clamoring for a part three. I mean, it took them three years before this launched. And then, like maybe also the other hypothesis I have is like, where did the beat em up genre go? Because it's like the easy answer, fighting games. Fighting yeah. games, once Street Fighter 2 came out and once like uh, SNK found their strike with the King of Fighters series and with other, you know, uh, fighting games, it's like nobody cared about the beat em ups. You go to any arcade, especially around this time in 94, 95, yeah, there'll be the one random Captain Commando in the corner or you'll have the one random I would say like, you know, Dynamite Or even Deca. the Punisher game or like the, yeah, you're right, Dynamite Deca game in the corner yeah, too. You know, like, okay, they still exist because it's like, okay, they're trying to push the envelope in different ways. Yeah. But clearly all Back. your focus is like on like either competitive fighting games and on the 2D plane in or 3D plane. In 1994, you go to the arcade, you cannot find a single Final Fight game. They, yeah. they have all been replaced by Street Fighter 2 cabinets. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And the like, beat 'em up actually made its place on the console. Like I think after Streets of Rage two onwards, there were like Super Double Dragon. There was like we said Final Fight three. There were the Protectors, the Ashura beat games back then too. And I think we'll say this right. It's also the problem when it comes to something that's new and refreshing. Mm-hmm. Is like what usually kills it is the fact that all the imitators just saturate the market, making it very hard for the genre to grow in the proper direction. And I think maybe that's the problem with the beat 'em up genre and also with Streets of Rage because it's like, I guess, like in hindsight, why part three felt so unfocused is because I think they were 
desperate to climb above the ranks of all the other imitators mm-hmm. but in doing so they kind of lost like focus and lost track of what it is that made them great in the first place because after that is like you know I mean we didn't get a beat em up proper for the next generation like Saturn the only thing I can think of is like maybe Guardian Heroes oh and that was a really damn good beat em up that yeah. was an exceptional beat em up you know yeah. and but like I would say this right nobody remembers the Saturn for that they remember it more for like maybe you know oh no 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 no, no, no. Um, I think they remember it more for like the arcade ports especially when you had that extra cartridge thing you put on your Saturn mm. as well yeah but like nobody thinks of like oh you need to get a Saturn because you've got the best beat em ups yeah people are playing the Playstation so <laughs> there you go yeah, and by then you're like uh, Barnacle 3 came out around the time where they were experimenting with the 32X remember ah yes that yes yes mutant mushroom cartridge you stick on top of your Mega Drive yeah so you yeah. Doom on your gamepad <laughs> yeah know. it was like Sega just making really bad decisions after the other just to prolong the Mega Drive while getting ready for the Saturn Okay, it was still rendering like really small sprites, you know. Yeah. Uh, but then again, so I mean, we can definitely wrap up our talk on <laughs> the Streets of Rage retrospective. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, do you want to even bring up uh, the remake as well? Did you play a lot of it? In no, 2000? we definitely have to kind of touch on the unofficial sequels. There was Streets of Rage remake, which was a fan-made uh, homebrew version of Streets of Rage. Unofficial, so it got taken down real quick, which uh, repurposed assets from the original games. This is definitely like a what-if yeah, version where it's like okay what if we can have Adam skate what if we have the entire roster in the game or think- how do, or how can we make like uh, make you make players can we make players choose between like the mechanics of part 1 part 2 and part 3 in terms of doing your combos or even your evade moves you can do that in the remake it had isms right like yeah, isms. Fighter, right? that's correct yep yep okay SOR1 ism SOR2 ism <laughs> yeah I mean, it, it's a unique experiment and I do appreciate the loving attention to detail that Streets of Rage Remake did. And the multiple and like, pathways as well, depending on your score, if I exactly. recall. And it also is like, this is definitely a fan tribute game. But, like, you know, it will never feel like something that will surpass even part two. Mm-hmm. Because I think the problem I have with Streets of Rage Remake is like it felt like exactly the problem I have with, like, part three. You're putting too many stuff in. Just make a simple, solid straightforward beat em up and decades later somebody would answer that call <laughs> yes finally <laughs> this year in fact yeah this year in the year of our lord <laughs> 2020 yeah the sequel we've been waiting for and we've been dying for now it's Streets of Rage 4 yeah uh, brought to us by the geniuses over at Dot Email Lucid Cube and God Crush Games Mm-hmm. I mean, like, you saw us on the live stream, maybe, but, you know, for all those who haven't... Yeah, I go check it out on our Facebook page, yes. Yeah, please check us out on our Facebook page, where we, you can see us play the entire game on hard and fail spectacularly. <laughs> <laughs> what do you mean fail? We finished the damn game, don't forget. No, we finished the game, but, like, you know, technical difficulties and stuff. Oh, yeah, 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 that's... <laughs> but I want to say this is right, like, um, when you have the legacy of maybe part one and part two specifically... Mm-hmm. And then you were to tell people that in 2020, we're not only going to make another beat-em-up game, we're going to revive the franchise. And everybody definitely was like, okay, let's see what you got. Did you learn from the mistakes of part three? And they did. Yeah, I would say like that's probably the first thing I would mention is upon playing Streets of Rage 4, repeatedly I might add, because I had to unlock everybody and I'm definitely going for that weird achievement where I need to get 5 million lifetime points. Yes. (laughs) 
Wow, that's a lot of beat em upping. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's uh you you'll be playing Mania or Hardest Mode like X number of times just to Dude, get that. I'm trying score. to get that stupid achievement where you need to get like S rank on every stage in hard oh, or above. I'm doing that right now as well with my free time, whatever I have. It's that, not dude, easy. We, we need to do that together. It makes more sense to do it in two players. Uh, this is too much of a challenge sometimes because yeah, yeah. like Okay, the one complaint I have is the cheap shots are back. <laughs> you can't avoid that. But I would say this like Streets of Rage 4. Uh, overall, I would say, and I'm not going to review it straight away. I'm just going to yeah. say my initial thoughts. This is what I've been waiting for my whole goddamn life when it <laughs> comes to the franchise. Because, like, part three definitely felt very disassociated with what it was trying to do before. It was a weird tangent, yeah. It was too much of a tangent, whereas part four definitely felt more like, okay, we heard you. We know what makes part one and part two great. We're going to focus on that. Mm -hmm. But also... I think my only criticism about Streets of Rage 4 is that it was paying way too much attention to, I would say, fan expectations. Like, they could have gotten away with trying to improve on the formula a little bit because, to me, didn't feel like a stratospheric jump from Part 3 or even Part 2. Like, I would not say that it's a Streets of Rage reskin. It's definitely something that was built from the ground up. But it definitely felt like if you didn't have part three, like even this would feel like it was just a minor upgrade to what was available before. And I'm not going to fault them totally for that because I do understand that in the current landscape of indie development and how it's different now. <laughs> it's, it's like yeah. not like back in the day. And they didn't have like official backing from Sega. I mean, I think they were just given permissions or licensing. The, the licensing, it was actually at the end of the credits. Yeah. Licensing by this bunch of people. Yeah. Yeah. And this was definitely uh, the effort of like, you know, and again, like, you know, we did mention Streets of Rage Remake, which was definitely a fan game. And yeah. it definitely reeks of being like, you know, very fan centric. What Streets of Rage 4 does is that it not only was fan-centric, but it was definitely much aligned with what the legacy was and what the focus of the first two games was and what made them great. And also props to the team because I, when I see the credits and this is the amount of people who put this together, yes. well done, guys. Well done. Because in this day and age, when you have like video game credits that could outscroll even like a random Marvel movie <laughs> yes. in terms of... Like you, you see what's going on behind the scenes of your like, like an Assassin's Creed is like why is the, the the credit still scrolling right? Yeah, yeah. I would say this right. Like you know what they did a fantastic job of not only revitalizing the genre and the franchise, but I would say this is gonna be definitely up there as one of the best beat 'em ups all time. Yeah. I would say that because there's it, a lot of replayability too as well to add in that. There fact. is a ton of replayability because. It, aside from Ori and the Blind Forest this year this was the only game that after I beat it I had to play it again yeah yeah and I miss that feeling so much I miss that feeling of like you know more more along the lines of like whenever I complete a game or whenever I finish a campaign or something I just put it down and like okay that's it I'm done with it like I have never felt that feeling like when you're 13 years old and it's like, yeah, I don't have school tomorrow. <laughs> Let's just play <laughs> yeah. some more. They hit it out of the park. They hit it out of the park with definitely recapturing the nostalgia and recapturing what it is that made the games great. And mm -hmm. I, I thoroughly applaud them for that. And I also like the fact that I don't want to say that they were working within the limitations, but I would say more along the lines of like, they needed to build on something and where it's like, okay, we need to get back to basics a little bit. We need to kind of... But we got to add in some new things as well. Like, yeah. I believe the biggest addition is like, you can now juggle enemies in this one compared to part one, part mm -hmm. two, or even part three. Which we were, we were saying also was like, yeah, this is definitely an influence from Sengoku 3. Yes. <laughs> even uh, so, Floyd's uh, grab, coconut uh, grab move, where he basically can walk coconut while grabbing. Grab <laughs> yeah, yeah. 
Yeah, grab. Yeah, that's exactly that's from Sengoku Three from uh, Ko. Yeah. You know what? Everybody rips off everybody, especially yes. when it comes to the beat up genre. Exactly. Yeah. So I mean, maybe how about you? What was your initial impressions when you played Street Rage Four, sir? I was just smiling like a shit-eating yes. idiot playing this game, <laughs> oh, yeah. playing you through it. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, the joke comes in. Yeah. Uh, anyway, so I was like, I'm. I was just grinning from ear to ear just playing this damn game. It's just so fun. I mean, like just hearing the sound of just the beating part itself from the walking to the combos especially. And then mm. when you play to another character like Floyd with his coconut cracker and playing his cherry with a really uh, fast moves, everything, it's just like a nice throwback. But at the same time, it just feels incredibly fresh because... yes. Yeah, it just feels fresh and new, easy to control. The bosses also seem are also kind of unique in fight to fight and everything, like mm. the Snake Lady or uh, who else? Um, oh, and you fight the new version of Shiva as well. That was also kind of cool. Yeah, I kind of like the new version of Shiva especially, and I wish he could have been a playable character. Hey, Dot Emu, you listening? Oh, even the cop, even the cop, Estelle. I would like her as a playable character because you fight her twice. And yeah. she's, 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 there's one where she teams up the commissioner and there's one where she calls the squad car to attack you. That's a nice yeah. little nod. Yeah. I always say that true. I mean, like, again, I mean, I did mention the fact that this was definitely a game that kind of leans in too much on a nostalgia baiting. But I'm also saying it works. Yeah, it totally works. And this, <laughs> this yeah. is, I would say, the best way to pull off references and fan service. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like to little nods here and there, to seeing Ash on a poster in the boat, you know, <laughs> yeah. to seeing Rue behind the bar at that one random stage is like, oh, hey, there you are. Oh, yeah, yeah. And also as a uh, weird Picasso artwork at the back, too, in yeah, one of the, the stages. The cubist version of Rue <laughs> yeah. over the art gallery stage, right? Yeah, yeah. I think what it does is it also cleverly removes the more science fiction elements of part three mm-hmm. and it refocuses on more towards like a grounded gritty uh, kind of 70s 80s style like you know a street justice movie yes yes <laughs> you know like it's, it's basically like the plan is the same it's like you know the offspring of Mr. X decide to wreak havoc upon the city and their plan Wood is Oak to, City yes yeah their plan is to, uh, through the use of terrible music we're gonna convince people to be our like our, our zombies or whatever okay okay yeah. that that's as far as it goes you know what I mean yeah because yeah. it's like 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 say a good Batman story is like you don't want the villain to be a bit too out there you wanna kind of feel like okay how do you solve this problem you just punch him yeah, punch your way through it simple just punch your way through this situation and you'll be fine I like the fact that okay let's calm down and step away from the sci-fi stuff yeah. let's never mention the fact that Miss Y and Mr. Y your dad's basically a brain in a jar yes we're not gonna explain that they just say like 10 years after that stuff happened you know after the coke fueled 90s yes <laughs> we're now moving towards the more lean and molly induced uh, 2010s 20s yeah it also was very much very clever to be in attune with what was relevant today because when you see the fashions when you see definitely like especially like that the, the, the queen bomber girls oh yes the queen bombers the, yeah, one like of the more you, annoying characters in the game them and you think to yourself like yeah I've seen that look before that's like basically your your art school Harajuku type. Yes. You know? Or when you see Donovan with like, you know, now his jeans down to his butt. It's like, oh, yeah. that's modern hip hop look. Or the Kevins and the Dylans, the guys with the hands in their pocket, they kick you to death, basically. Uh, like the the Y siblings, right? It's like, okay, mm-hmm. yeah, I've seen that look before. So it really does feel like it's happening in the present time. And it's, uh, I would say, what made Streets of Rage 2 so immaculate was like, it was attuned with the culture of its time. Yeah. And that's what I love about Streets of Rage 4. And like I like the fact that they aged up as Axel and 
they kind of aged up Blaze. Like, you can't now she tell. has a sensible jacket on. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. She's a dancer now, apparently, so. Like, you know, when you see her in part two, it's like, okay, she has the very 90s just tube top on. Like, yep, yep. that's how girls dress back then. And then now, yeah. like, oh, it's a bit chilly. I'll put a jacket on top. Yeah, like, yeah. yeah. Okay. <laughs> sure. You know what I mean? She's still she, like you. You can still kick ass in a miniskirt. You do you, girl. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's also a generational thing because I like the fact that the final bosses and all the the, the hoods you're beating up are like millennial aged. I guess. Yeah. Compared yeah. to the more grizzled like Generation X looks of like Axel, still rocking the headband. I see. Yeah, yeah they, like old school will always beat new school or millennials or some <laughs> stuff like that. And then, you're still, and then you're still beating up a ton of Garcia's and uh, Donovan's coming at you in, I don't know like, I, have, I have my own fan theory that this whole thing is just a metaphor for like old electronic music beats current electronic music yes because that is a key component to the plot of this entire game where it's yeah. like yes EDM sucks let me show you techno and house yes <laughs> the real stuff back in the 90s and the late 80s okay you have no idea you call that a drop now this is a drop yeah <laughs> drop kick on your face <laughs> Uh, but the music is still classic but it does have that kind of new retro wave twist on it yeah yeah it kind of needs to fit with the times of today but also some throwbacks so I kind of like a lot of the tracks where it sounds very very brand new but there's still like some DNA from the past games especially when you fight the Mm. Y-Twins like it's basically like a remix of the boss of of the X-Team but also Mm. different in that sense yeah I agree I mean, like, it's not really a complaint. It's not really even a nitpick. But, like, if people ask me, like, so is the music better than part one and two? I wouldn't call it iconic status. I would say it's definitely uh, in line with the spirit of the classic games. Mm -hmm. And it was definitely putting a stamp on its own things, right? But to me, like, the music of Streets of Rage 4 felt, like, serviceable. It felt, this is good. This is very good. And it's very appropriate for video game music. But... I will not put this on my Spotify playlist anytime soon. You know I'll probably I mean? put like, like one or two of them. Um, the, yeah. art, the Art Gallery Museum is actually a highlight for me. Mm. I, for me, I, I love the, the Final Boss team for uh, uh, yes. Y and like when you fight the Y siblings. Ah, yes, yes. That's good stuff. Because yeah. like, I'm really into new retro, retro wave. Like, I love the fact that that game definitely captures that beat. And... I wouldn't say that it's a total detriment to the game. In fact, I don't think it like displaces any of my love for Streets of Rage 4. It just feels like, you know, like if they were trying to do their own thing, it felt like this is the necessary baby steps and I would really want them to go bigger the next time. And I don't know, because like the numbers at this point of time has not been revealed because we are not aware of whether this game is selling well or not. Yeah, but it's getting are, a lot of fan love, that's for sure. It's getting a it's lot getting of love. getting a ton of fan love, you know, and like, you know, I've seen a few complaints here and there. And like, what would you do to improve on Streets of Rage 4? I mean, do you feel like there's anywhere else this series can go? Because it does not feel to me, especially, like so much of a, a stratospheric jump. But it definitely feels like, okay, this is a throwback game. We're going to take elements from the past, but then put our spin on it and make it uh, more palatable for the modern audience. And give it the appropriate challenges and some differences mm. enough to make it set aside, set apart from the other beat-em-ups. Yeah. Like, like, maybe the first question I should ask you is, like, when you compare part four to part two, does it surpass part two? In gameplay sense, I say they're on the same level. Whereas but, like, th- overall, like, do you feel like this game like in the pantheon of the Streets of Rage series, this is the, the best one? Or do you still feel like, no, part two is still better 
So it's on the same you... level, to be honest, for me. I mean, I probably need to play this a bit more. Okay, so they're on par with each other. Yeah, they're on par with each other. So Even the music, you I have need to, to do to make part four the definitive. This is the best version. This is the best entry into the, the, the franchise. Okay, I would like Axel and Blaze to at least have some moves where they have like some sort of dash. They had dashes and runs in part three. I don't see why they don't have like the evade options for part so four. So the maneuverability in part four is a little bit lack- lacking for you, right? I mean, except for Adam and Cherry, uh, every other character kind of needs something for movability Especially and evading. Floyd. Floyd moves too slow, right? Yeah, yeah, I mean, he's got the coconut cracker to make up for it, but still, I think some evasion mm. would be very helpful. Especially I getting agree. through certain parts of mania without getting hit yeah i would say also maybe it felt like the developers knew that they're going to be limited with their stages like it was definitely like this game doesn't feel as big as the the classic games and i, I like i like the 12 stages um in fact it's on par i would suggest they maybe have some multiple pathways like in part three but don't make it as no, obtuse no, no, no. or crazy no we don't make don't no need- don't make the levels as big or as convoluted as in part three. Keep it linear, but depending on the score you get will determine which path you take. Like, obviously, a low score means, yeah, you get a bad ending, but if you get a high would, score, you get another different pathway. I mean, I don't think that's a good idea, but I, what I would do is I would do something more along the lines of like Golden X 2. You want to go up or down? Ah, uh, Golden X 3. I think it also introduces that as well. Like, yeah. different pathways, but still the same ending. Just different enemies or different like, level. You, you get a different background, which will add to the replayability, or... I think that's better. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, you know what I mean? Like, I don't, I, I don't want to present the player with, like, okay, if you achieve a certain thing, I don't want the locking amount of experiencing a different aspect of the game. Like, especially when you see the city map in the beginning and you see how huge it is and then yeah. like how they broke it up into sections. Why does it feel like you need to go in one uh, linear route to a yeah. certain direction? Why not we just make it, like, make it really feel like the Warriors? Yes, yes, sp- different pathways, different sections like, of the city. The group splits up and then like, okay, you handle this, you handle this. You know what I mean? And it doesn't need to be tied to the story per se you don't need to have like specific characters go down different paths but it's just like you can experience different bosses and different aspects of the story presented to you mm-hmm. I mean it all basically leads up to the final fight with uh, the Y siblings but but different pathways like, yeah yeah like if it feels like okay you can go through Central Park or you can go through the subway or you can go or the stadium or uh, another throwback level the the what's that the theme park yeah but then okay again I also understand is like this is a smaller team. This is definitely more of a passion project, not so much like a, an official licensed game. This is definitely guys who went out of their way to make sure that there is a sequel to a game that barely anybody talks about anymore. Yeah. And like, you know, I totally get the limitations there. You know, and, I'm and I'm glad saying, they make it actually. Yeah. yeah. And I'm glad this exists because I don't want to say that like, okay, uh, obviously you should have done that. Like, that's not what I'm saying at all. But yeah. I'm saying like, if this game does make some money, if it does make bank, and we are definitely on the path towards the Streets of Rage 5, and then maybe you have a little bit of extra, or maybe you have a little bit more development time. Or if you're getting like an extra DLC idea, you know, like an expansion. Yeah, sure. But like, I'm not really that interested in DLC anymore. It's like, okay, I would rather have fully, comp- like fully realized complete products now. Mm-hmm. Like adding a DLC to this game, I think is like, okay, don't, 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 don't do that. Just work on the next one if you can. If there's going to be a next one, I would definitely like. I agree with you. I would like multiple methods to uh, explore the world. Yes, yes, that would be really you know good. I, mean? I don't. I don't really need anything to. Uh, I would say gatekeep my enjoyment of the game. I would like uh, more boss variety. I think like what really feels lackluster about part four compared to part two 
was like you know all the memorable bosses whereas this one it kind of felt like okay Estelle is kind of memorable the white twins are not that memorable you know I mean like I don't really think of them as like anything particularly challenging uh, and then there's a lot of the throwback bad guys like you got uh, Barbon yeah Barbon <laughs> yes and you have Whip Lady who comes back it's like okay oh that's I actually one of my favourite fights because uh, yeah you, your mobs are actually dangerous than the boss itself like the Galsias yeah. <laughs> Uh, before I get distracted too much uh, less throwback bosses more new stuff mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I want an entire new rogues gallery I don't mind the throwback bosses in fact if you're gonna put in retro levels like okay put them there yeah okay updated Shiva kind of makes sense to maybe the plot or the but story, we kind of right? want updated Abadede or updated Jack or I, mean, I don't mind them like if you're gonna have like a boss rush like an arena section or arena uh, gameplay mode right yeah. put them all there yes but that would be fun st- within the story I wanna see more variety in your bosses and I wanna see the universe open up a little bit more cause you did introduce us to the commissioner and Estelle right yeah and like okay okay. even the police are now like in over their heads with things right yeah 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 oh my god the yeah. cops with the tasers are freaking dangerous man yeah but like I don't know and I'm, this is just me throwing out suggestions right because it's like uh, if I was to attempt this game and if I was to maybe say do a Streets of Rage 5, right? Okay, this is, here's my big idea. Patented last game podcast, trademark, everything, okay? If they do this, then I need I get all the money. <laughs> okay. What I think they should have done, and uh, it's not like this, this would have made the game better, but this was an opportunity that I think they could explore, was that after the death of Mr. X, right, what you need to do is establish a power vacuum within the crime syndicates. Imagine, if you will, like, say, maybe in a DC comic book, if, like, the Joker goes away, then everybody starts rising. You know what I mean? Yeah, So, instead of having the typical syndicate slash, like, we need to fight this one family of people, I would like for maybe, just like the Warriors, every gang in the city decides to step up, and then you have multiple heads and multiple bad guys or lieutenants to take care of before you have the final baddie. Mm-hmm. so it really does feel like every section of the city and then you can even wrap the personality of that level to match the gang you know what I mean yeah yeah, so yeah. Like, colourful yeah yeah so it's like it really makes it feel like like the, the problem with the Streets of Rage games right is like I cannot say the problem but what I felt story wise was lacking was like it feels like it's the same people beating you up over and over again which is why a lot of the bosses return or sometimes they return with like a twin or a doppelganger and yeah. this has existed since the first game right I would really like it's like okay the city is totally nutso every single gang is out there to try and like you know uh, take over the, the empty the vacuum of power left by Mr. X yeah. you have the siblings and even the siblings don't need to work together they can be rival factions yeah yeah so like the, the storyline I had in mind was like maybe uh, brother Y is trying to unite the east side and maybe Miss Y is trying to unite the west side and they're just clashing and you're in the middle of all this and you need to just calm everyone down and you can also bring in other factions I mean Shiva has his own gang of like karate guys and kung fu yeah then you have have to go to the so when you go to Chinatown it's like we need to fight Shiva we need to fight all the pajama boys you know what I mean or if you go to like maybe uh, downtown and you need to fight maybe Miss Y and all the 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 hipster like you know floral shirt wearing guys who just throw paps beer at you and <laughs> yes, you go to yeah. the other side you have uh like you know the other sibling and then it's like oh they're ge- they're, they're the gang's a little bit more uh hopped up on Molly and then like, yeah, the, yeah. the attacks are super fast it's like 
so many like these are the ideas I had when I was playing this game and I think I mean that's also maybe me, me speaking on the fact that the game is just so good is because it, like, it's inspiring me like this is what I want to do yeah like, this can this can be this this will be like good avenues be for the sequel to go to bigger. Yeah, you know what I mean? So it's like, I would really like them to expand the lore and try to stay away from the science fiction stuff as much as possible. <laughs> yeah. Nothing was zanier than Mr. Zen. I'm fine. You know what yes. I mean? <laughs> but let's keep it all about, you know, uh, punching, kicking, martial arts and like just, you know, like overall unruliness. Yep, yep. I would say. So like, I don't know. Uh, maybe we should have wrapping things up. So Streets of Rage 4, I mean... Highly um, recommended, as you can tell. Highly from recommended. Ent- enthusiastic voices and everything. If you're an old school guy, yeah, you should have owned it by now. If yeah. you're a new school guy and you're wondering about this entire franchise, Streets of Rage 4 is here. Yep, it's still def- pretty good. I mean, especially if you're into beat-em-ups so or you want to find out what the big deal is about the beat-em-ups and how replayable they can get with the modes and everything. Yeah, you can start here. This definitely has that. It doesn't have the kind of barrier of entry a lot of the, like other beat-em-ups would have. And uh, if anything, I hope nothing but the best for .emu. I think like they're working on a Windjammer sequel next, right? Uh, as publishers and partly developers, yes, they're working on uh, Windjammers 2. That's probably next year, I think. I really hope this franchise makes some money because like I would like to see a part five. Yeah. I definitely want to see this uh, franchise keep going. Basically keep the same developers, God Crush Games. They did a really mm-hmm. good job with their previous title, um, Street, Streets of Fury EX. And this is like <laughs> the apex of like their talent, basically. Yeah, definitely. That was the demo reel and this is them hitting it out of the park. So yes, yep. congratulations, .emu, Lizard Cube and God Crush Games. You get the official Last King seal of approval. Yeah. Great game. <laughs> This has been a lovely time. Thank you so much for joining us. Uh, who are you? Oh, I am a generic thug number 327, Mr. Toffee. And I am uh, Mr. X's testicles in the jar, <laughs> Shafiq, signing out. <laughs>